Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week. Oh, wait. And you can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and at TikTok at hold up podcast. Carrie. Deep. Everyone take every before we start, everyone take a deep cleansing breath. Carrie, what did we watch this week? We watched The Ugly Truth. Carrie, do you know who wrote and directed The Ugly Truth? I looked it up because you said something. I need an oral history of how the fuck this happened. So I have that note. How did this happen? But also, I I have suspicions. So one this of was the written women... by, hang on, this was written by, the story is by a woman named Nicole Eastman, and then it, the screenplay is by Karen, I got it, Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith, who are the women who wrote, among many other things, Legally Blonde and 10 Things I Hate About You, two arguably very feminist rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Um, it was directed by Robert Luke Tick, who also directed Legally Blonde. Mm-hmm. And so, and yet here we are. So I wonder, so Nicole Eastman has a story by credit and a screenplay credit, and this is her only credit. And so I sort of wonder if like she wrote it and then the studio brought in Karen Eastman and Kristen McCullough. Did I just mix up their names? Their last names? Yes. Strike in reverse. McCullough um, and Smith. Nicole Eastman is the to like fix it. Mm-hmm. And, That's very and maybe, likely what happened. Maybe there was only so much that could be done. You ben know also Ben also Ben pointed out when I was saying, like, I need to know what happened here. He was like, you can he reminded me, he was like, you can sell a script to the studio and then your hands are off it, and who knows what producers do with it from there. Um, which is very true. He yes. also was like, I can see a world. And he didn't watch this with me. I just like was like ranting about the premise, which we'll get to in one second. Um, he was like, I can see a world where that was written as like a very ironic premise or was written in a more feminist way. And the filmmakers then made the most misogynistic movie of all time. This movie had there, there flavors. Okay, so let me tell you the premise, and then I want to comment on what Ben said. So the premise is that Katherine Heigl is the producer of a morning show, like a local morning show. Local Sacramento. Local Sacramento morning show. It has not very good ratings, so they bring in this Adam Carolla-like man show Literally based on Adam Carolla. Um... To, I call them know, an Andrew Tate looking motherfucker. Not looking. An Andrew Tate like motherfucker. Yeah. I said this is the man show. And then as I was like Googling around, it turns out that Gerard Butler, to do research for this movie, literally went and hung out with Adam Carolla for a couple of days. I then so, looked up, I was like, what did Adam Carolla said? And I looked up some quotes and then I did gouge my eyes out so I could never look up quotes again. Yes. If you want to, like, literally see a path of, like, growth versus stagnant, 
watch the man show and then watch Adam Carolla now and Jimmy Kimmel now. Like one of these men grew and matured and one of these men did not. Well, the quote I that stuck with me was that women were just less funny. Every time he's been in a comedy room, the women have just been less funny. Naturally. And I just, part of I, me I died. Because women but, aren't funny, you know? But also here's, I'm going to go They'd on a mini rant shopping. about the women aren't funny and like women in writer's rooms aren't funny. First of all, at the time of writer's rooms that Adam Corolla is talking about, there is at best, I promise you, at best two women in the room. They're also operating under probably a very misogynistic writer's room. So one, they're probably not comfortable or safe making jokes. Two, it, men and women think different things are fucking funny. Like, not always. There are things we agree on. You know, we all can agree that it seems like uh, John Mulaney is universally funny. But like, we find different things funny. So maybe just like the joke she's making don't land with you because you're a man or a fucking idiot and don't understand them. And three, like, you're b- judging this based on the one to two women your boss or you have deci- has deemed appropriate enough or or because you're forced to hire women because the studio told you you had to do diversity and you hire- found a white woman to hire. Uh, you picked someone you either knew would be quiet or was unfunny so you can maintain your women aren't funny rant. I am. <laughs> you're good. Yeah, I'm fine. So anyway, Catherine Heigl is a movie producer. Yeah. Nope. TV morning show producer. They hire Gerard Butler, who is Adam Carolla, essentially. Um, he helps her become more desirable to men. I don't see in any way in which she helps him. Um, he doesn't change. He, does he doesn't not grow, change. learn, or change. Um, waiting for it because he says such repugnant things. Right. No, we had no growth. Um, we compared him later to a man that endorsed actual rape. And I think the point of that to be like, this guy's a saint compared to the guy that promotes right. actual rape. And it's like, I, I I think there's there can be room for neither of them. I think we can kick right. both of them out of America. Right. Just because the bar's in hell, once you bring the rapist on TV, um, doesn't mean this guy's okay. Anyway, this, the what I was going to say in response to what you were saying ben said about like once you give up your once you sell your script like you don't have as much control is that this or, or movie, any control often any control right um is in addition to being bad and misogynistic this movie is also very derivative of other movies like i kept watching it and being like this feels like this this feels like this movie this like we we had a cyrano moment it this felt very much like someone like you the ashley judd hugh jackman rom-com this felt very when harry met sally references that absolutely fall flat on their faces the whole like men and women are different thing yes it had like hitch but make it sexist um So I just felt like, to Ben's point, like, there were elements here that, like, hinted at a better movie, but it was dragged down by all the other stuff, and the stuff that had potential never went anywhere. Well, because in addition addition to being a deeply misogynistic movie, it's also very poorly written and painfully unfunny. Like, there have been movies you and I have talked about here where where we're like, they don't hold up for whatever reason but we still 
enjoy them in some way. Like, again, it we haven't done it yet, but one day we will do wedding crashers and it's going to be super problematic. And we're also both going to enjoy it and say it's funny. Like, right. This, this, and maybe not, like maybe we'll rewatch wedding crashers and be like, we were wrong. It's not funny anymore. But like, this was so there I like never even chuckled I they never even got a like out of me like it was so badly written and again like it's paining me to say that the women who wrote this movie are heroes of mine (laughs) like I want to sit them down and ask them questions um yeah I mean truly 10 things I hate about you and Legally Blonde and she's the man I mean yes some of the best well-written female rom-com characters particularly like teenage female rom-com characters also like the ability to write of ever a a quote-unquote shrew that is julia styles in 10 things i hate about you without making her well her character is still like dynamic and multi-layered and and a human being and we understand why she is and she's not like whereas like Catherine heigl in this is just like a shrew archetype she just is a shrew yes. and she's so fucking annoying and she's so uptight and she's so like men won't love me because i'm not beautiful and it's like yes you are you're fucking Catherine heigl like also like, the other thing is like uh, i know type a women i am a type a woman i love type like, a women two, this podcast could be called two type a women like, this is not, that's not I'll what she is. Like, exactly. I don't know this woman, right? Like, I have never met this woman. And I know lots and lots and lots and lots of men who love their type A women, right? Like, that's one of the things they love about The two them. type A women on this podcast are both in relationships where I think they like us. Yeah. I, I mean. Oh, my God. We just went to the grocery store. We were going to the, gro- we were walking to the grocery store. And I needed to like go to the grocery store and then come back and make my lunch and then be ready to do this podcast. And he's putting his shoes on and he's asking me things and he's telling me about his dreams and he's putting, and I was like, I'm on a clock. Oh, and then we're walking to the grocery store and he paused to look at a spider, an interesting looking spider. And I was like, (laughs) just like my like little ticker of what time it was and all the things I had to get done in my brain were like, well, he was like, "Come look at this cool-looking spider." I was like, "I'm gonna murder you! I'm gonna, murder you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna is, is that spider poisonous? Will it bite you? <laughs> what is the curse of like, and like I say curse, but also like I love my husband, right? Like yeah, I no, love I him very much. It. I think I, I think ben, to, to slow down ben and look at the wonderful. spiders. But like, why do you choose the moments when I'm trying to get out the fucking door to like pose existential questions to me, right? Or like pose questions to me that absolutely could be answered at a different time you know what i mean like like, we're about to walk to the grocery store you can ask me this question on the walk to the grocery store i'd love to have this conversation with you can you put your shoes on like it's like my four-year-old put your goddamn fucking shoes on i cannot so sweet he was then like i just wanted to stop and look at an interesting spider and i was like all right well now i'm the bitch who stopped you from looking at a spider like anyway all this to say say, like we haven't even given an example of gerard butler's because he's all just like all men one on a woman is like big tits and a tight ass and blowjobs this movie thinks it's edgy because they keep saying blowjobs i'm like "Mm, that's not what edginess means um well 
And long hair. She has to have long hair because men like, it's like men are only driven by sex and only want sex and don't care about conversations. And it it just like, it's just not, and women don't want sex. Women are, sex is something women have to do. That's the other thing is that like, like at one point he was like, do you want the like nice romantic candlelit dinner or do you want like the hot sex? And it's like, why do I have to choose? Poor K, no low stones. <laughs> right. What man is like being forced to choose? And then what woman is, is like, no, I only want romantic dinners. I don't want hot sex. Like this movie was so like every gendered like sex, like diff- like battle of the sexes stereotype that could have existed existed in this movie. And it's so baffling that this movie was made in 2009. This movie was not made in like 1989. It was made in 2009. And we're still no, talking also about like, how like women have to have long hair. Like what? But also like we watched Roxanne, which was a movie made in the 80s. And When Harry Met Sally. And, and When Harry Met Sally is literally a movie about this is how men are. This is how women are. And neither of them are misogynistic. Neither of them. I actually don't. I was going to say, like, in Harry Met Sally, there are some things that you're like, oh, I think we would, like, maybe speak about that differently if it were made today because we now know more things. Whereas, like, I think we watched Roxanne and we were like, did we just find a movie from the 1980s with absolutely zero problems? It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and same with, like, again, going back to, like, a type A woman, Sally Albright is the quintessential type A woman who then also feels real and fully formed and three-dimensional and like i actually would know this woman i actually mm-hmm. would love this woman and she talks she likes sex. Are... she talks about having sex on her kitchen floor like she is a and we get an orgasm scene that's actually funny oh. the thing about that orgasm scene and okay movie... so the scene is wait we have to start at the beginning for how we get to this orgasm scene that made me like there's so many problems. Wait, first, I want to talk about the toy. Okay. So he buys his coworker, she, his, his boss, his boss, his boss, a vibrating pair of underpants. And maybe we have to explain this because when I was talking about this scene to Ben, Ben was like, I'm sorry, what on earth is that? And I was like, it is underwear that you, that has a remote control for either yourself or a partner can then control. They, anyway, there's a great episode about two seasons ago in Atlanta. Candy gives them all vibrating underpants. It's excellent scene. They're on a Germain and everyone has on their vibrating underpants and they cannot highest comedy, highest form of comedy. What the scene I'm about say, to describe? Lowest form of comedy. Let me just say that my first criticism of this whole premise in this movie is that personally, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think of vibrating underwear as a solo play. Toy. I actually don't either. That so when I was couples play toy. When I was first explaining it to Ben, I was like, for your partner to control. And I was like, I guess you could also, but I, I think but why? Like- but like, why? You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to do solo play, like, there are more direct ways. Totally. Uh, to I each see. their own. Why is there underwear? You know? Involved? You know anyway, he like- buys her vibrating underwear. Yes. Again, she is his. The premise of this is like, she's his boss and he's trying to teach her how to be more sexually attractive to me. I'm sorry. He's trying to teach. 2009 Catherine Heigl how to be more sexually attractive to men and I'm sorry this is busted face Gerard Butler is trying to teach 2009 Catherine Heigl how to be more sexually attractive to men everyone with do we do we that's the 
first part of this premise. The second part of this premise that's insane is that she's like, you're right, misogynistic man who asked me if I was a lesbian because I'm however old and unmarried. I do need your advice. What woman ever? She calls him a misogynist and then she's like, I guess you're right. I guess you have to explain why I'm so unlovable. Like, what? Anyway. So part of his like, I literally at one point wrote, she's not this dumb. You have set up this woman telling me how smart she is, how like good she is at her job. And then she falls for his like hubbubaloo. Like his fucking like Joe Rogan, Andrew Tate fucking nonsense. Now I Joe Rogan and Andrew Tate are very different ends of the same spectrum of shittiness, but I do think it's important to say that one of them is an actual sex trafficker and the other one's just a piece of shit. Anyway. <laughs> right. But he's on that fucking spectrum. Anyway. Um, oh, that was the other thing. You're like, she's good at, at the beginning. She's like producing her show and the like director or whatever, the only person of color in this movie, um, which like good. They didn't need to be like, we don't like save anyone, any minority from being around this side. It has to have been so deeply toxic, but turns around and he was like, how do you do it? Catherine Heigl, something no one at work ever says to anyone. And then she goes into her office with her boss and he was like, the ratings are terrible. We need to fix it. It was like, how does she do it? She doesn't. Her show is failing. <laughs> like, also that opening scene gave, it, it felt very similar to the Sweet Home Alabama opening scene where like, she's hit with crisis after crisis and she just knocks them all down. Right. Like we love a woman who's good in a crisis. How does she do it all? Very like early aughts feel right. But again, once again, like we're just picking and choosing bits of better movies. Yeah. It's like we have lots to say about Sweet Home Alabama and how it doesn't hold up. It is a better movie than this. It's a better movie. I would watch Sweet Home Alabama 8,000 more times. Better movie than this. Yes. What, the things you can save by just having Melanie Linsky show up, you know? Yeah. Sure, if this movie exactly. had Melanie Linsky in it, again, I would feel bad for Melanie Linsky, but I would be like 10% better. Anyway. Except this movie's cast was like, this movie had a wildly good cast that they didn't use well. Like, wildly good? You have wildly good. Okay. She's an anti vaxxer, Carrie. She's about okay, to be first lady of these anti vaxxer United States. Listen, Cheryl Hines doesn't hold up. I understand that. Is she so Harry, funny? speak better yes. of our future first lady. Listen, Cheryl Hines doesn't hold up. That's fine. As a person, doesn't hold up. But she, she is funny. Is she in South and Carolina, you right? Her, you paired her with John Michael Higgins, who, I as do far as I know, does Higgins. hold up and is very funny. Like, th- th- the only almost funny mo- moment in this entire movie was when they let the two of them improv. Just give me two hours of that. Also, Gerard Butler the saves their marriage and... by being like, what if you guys just had sex with each other? And they're like, no one's ever thought of that before. We never thought of that. We should communicate? No. No, tell me oh. more. Um, also, you have the other Cordry brother in here and Yvette Nicole Brown, and you don't let them be funny they at all. They each have one scene. They do nothing. Um, oh, I forgot about your... He's right. There's two non-white people. There's the unnamed director of the morning show and Yvette Nicole Brown. Um, anyway, so Gerard Butler buys her vibrating panties because she's fallen in love for no reason at all with her across the street neighbor or across the courtyard neighbor because he's hot, mm-hmm. but he has he's hot with no personality. To be fair, so yeah. is she. Perfect. Um, and so he buys her a pair of vibrating panties and then she gets a call from the he hot neighbor. looks he- like, really quick, the hot neighbor looks like 
like when you see a news story about a couple that you thought had a perfect marriage and then he murdered his entire family. Yes, he looks like a family and a surgeon. He is that guy. Yes. yes. Don't sue us this man. Not actually, that's just what you look like. I've seen him in other things where I quite enjoy him. Not in this movie, but in other things. He was on Brothers anyway. and Sisters, so he'll always have a special place in my heart. God bless. Anyway, so he is running. He's calls to say he's running late to her date. And she's like, well, I have five minutes to spare. Better put on some vibrating panties. Like, maybe just take those five minutes and try and get a better personality. Anyway. So she does, and then he knocks on the door immediately, and she was like, but I thought he was running late. So rather than being like, hey, so nice to see you, come sit down, I just have to run to the bathroom really quick, and changing into normal fucking underwear, she, oh, and then they get swept away by by Gerard Butler to go to some, like, network dinner. It doesn't, it, right. I'm not making sense, but also it doesn't make sense, so don't worry about it. So then she's at a work dinner with this guy she has a crush on, and the remote control to the vibrator like rolls away and a kid picks it up and starts playing with it which like we really didn't need to involve a kid in this awfulness so then he's cranking on her vibrator at one point jar butler notices and does nothing to stop it so i don't know how many sex crimes he's committed up to this point but more than more than you want um and anyway so she has an orgasm at the table because her vibrating panties are going off and it was we're going to speak more in depth about Katherine Heigl, but I want to say this. She's not a terrible actor. She's When she tries, a pretty decent actor. This scene was the most over-the-top, stupid, unbelievable, real orgasm scene I've ever seen in my entire life. Until the end of this movie where she does another orgasm that might be fake and might be real. Um, And that was worse. But I was like, this is so horribly overacted and stupid and so far from funny. It's an insult. It has the potential. It insult you know to even like, say, well, it was clearly like derived from when Harry met Sally. Like it was clearly influenced by that. And like it, it's insulting to say that since one of those scenes is comedy's most iconic scenes and the other one is this stupid fucking movie. But also, like, we, if you listen to our most recent Patreon episode where we talk about anyone but you, which patreon.com slash hold up. Doesn't have an orgasm scene, but does have these sort of, like, broad, absurd, comedic set pieces, right? And lots of physical comedy. And lots of physical comedy. It can work. It absolutely has a place in a rom-com. I, you know, lots of, this had potential, right? Like, somebody accidentally has an orgasm at dinner. In fact, it happens in Wedding Crashers. And again, when we do wedding crashers, we likely will find things we don't find funny. That scene is fucking hilarious, right? There is a funny way to do this scene. This was so poorly executed in so many ways. It, it was so unfunny. It was so uncomfortable. We'll talk about Katherine Heigl. It was so, like, I just felt bad for her. Like, she felt so uncommitted to the bit. Like it oh, just not, was, her her name is on this as an executive producer. I felt zero amount of bad for her. Oh, it just was awful. It was all bad. Which brings me to this. <clears throat> you can scroll back in our feed and find our knocked up episode where we talk about the things we like about knocked up, the things we don't like about knocked up, and the things that do and do not hold up. I like that movie much more, I think, than Carrie does. Carrie, I think you'll still agree. You think it's a well-made, funny movie. 
Catherine Heinkel, when Knocked Up was made, I believe in 2007, and when she was at the peak of her career in Grey's Anatomy, she went on a tour talking about how neither of those products served her. She talked about how Knocked Up was misogynistic and made women look like unfunny shrews, to which Leslie Mann had one of my best responses. I was funny. And she talked about how Shonda Rhimes didn't write her quote unquote good enough material. Then she has the audacity to make this movie as an executive producer. Like in what world? There are obviously things about Knocked Up that don't hold up. In what world are you going to insult that movie for being misogynistic and not portraying women in the right light and then executive produce this nonsense? Because, like, put these next to each other. I'm telling you which one represents more whole and complete women, which one has better written, better female characters who are often funny. She is way funnier in Knocked Up than she is in this piece of shit. It's just like... Now... And I think, like, the thing about Katherine Heigl is that, like, I think in 2004, like, we look back on Katherine Heigl and think, like, oh, she was raising some interesting points. She was trying to have some interesting conversations. She was done dirty by the misogyny of hollywood but ma'am like you contributed to it with this bullcrap of a movie like yeah because this wasn't just a movie you were doing you were she was an executive producer on this movie she has responsibility for what this movie is i would not normally hold just an actor to that no 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 no, i agree but i think like if you want to have that conversation i think that people are willing to have that conversation in 2024 but like then we got to own we got to own it all right the like we got other gotta... thing i will say about Catherine heigl is like yes i do think we can't divorce misogyny from the like Catherine heigl conversation and what happened to her career but also like gossip is gossip and you can only take things at face value particularly when that gossip is about women in hollywood but i have never heard a kind thing said about people who have worked with her from any gender Catherine heigl allegedly allegedly i've never worked with her i do not know this woman i have never heard someone work with Catherine heigl and that is at any level like the people i'm talking to are not high level people Nobody has ever said it was a pleasant experience. She is, by all accounts, allegedly a very unkind and difficult coworker. Now, I do think there are lots and lots of men who behave like that and don't lose their careers. Like, she mostly, I mean, she's fine. I don't worry about Katherine Heigl. But, like, what she was supposed to be and what she is now is very different. I also think she bit the hands that fed her. Like... I don't feel bad for Katherine Heigl. The way I think we're going to talk about like Jessica Simpson or Lindsay Lohan or even Anne Hathaway when like Anne Hathaway had all that backlash and we think like, what are the ways in which misogyny contributed to, or the way we're talking about Britney Spears? Like what are the ways in which we talk about how like misogyny contributed to these women being maligned in the way that they were? I don't think it's that it didn't contribute to Katherine Heigl, but I also think like Katherine Heigl bears an incredible amount of responsibility in the way that like Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan don't as much. That's fair. Yeah. Thank you for no, coming to my TED talk. Um, 
And to call, I know I'm like a knocked up super fan. It's one of my favorite movies. Seven percent of the reason I'm dating my boyfriend is because his name is Ben and my name is Allison. But like, the just the idea that you're going, the idea that you're going to talk about how horrible that movie was to women, and this is like actually a movie about a woman who falls in love with a awful misogynist. Like this movie was triggering. There was no, there was no redemption for either of these characters. And like, there was no moment where I, like, you saw what these two people liked in each other. No, there's no other. I saw somebody say once, like, the reason that we love the enemies to lovers trope is because it's the story of somebody seeing you at your worst and knowing like the real you and the worst parts of you and still falling in love with you. Oh, that's nice. Right. Lovely. This movie had the potential to do that, but we never actually saw <laughs> that. Like he loved those parts of her. No. Like he tells us he's in love with her, but he doesn't show us. He doesn't tell us why. In fact, when she asked him, why he loves her he says i don't know and like it's the most honest moment of that movie because i don't know why you love her either i don't know why she loves you you're both awful people right the other nothing in common literally nothing in common the other point you made when we were talking about anyone but you available on our patreon right now patreon.com slash hold up um is like the we we disagreed a little about about the pacing of like enemies to friends to lovers but mine was like i needed like two scenes switched and then it worked well and you thought it worked great as is like this one doesn't have any of it like at no point when they're like are and like enemies allies friends lovers like when they're like allies it's just because she's accepted all the horrible things he said about her as true and is letting him try and fix her quote unquote fix her and and there's no point where they're like friends and I'm like oh this is sweet they have like friendship banter it's just so gross it's so gross yeah I love the what we talked about with anyone but you is that like an enemies to lovers trope or like rivals to lovers trope needs a middle ground where you have like the allies moment, the friends moment. And what I thought worked particularly well in anyone but you was that allies, right? Like I, it was fun to watch them work together. This watching them work together. I was just like, I, why are you letting this man dictate how you interact with the other man you're dating? That's like, because they weird. weren't working together. It was just her being like, I guess I am a piece of shit who men can't love. Like, at no point, and I watched this movie and I, my annoyance at the beginning of this movie was like, oh, we're going to expect this type of man to have like changed. And that's kind of annoying, but at least to like change, I guess. And like people can grow and change, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't even do that. They didn't even have, I, it didn't even have some sort of like half-assed redemption arc for him. I was waiting. I, at the beginning of this was like, oh, we're going to find out some woman broke his heart. Yes. We don't even, we don't even get that. I thought we were going to have some boohoo story about how his wife ran off with his best friend. And so he doesn't believe in love anymore. And then like, we're going to all like circle back or there's going to be something. There's like, you know, he has a nephew and a sister who he loves. So like, we were going to have some big, like, you know, the kid makes him better moment. No, no, we got none the kid's of it. Pointless. Again, I kept thinking you wanted his movie. you wanted his Mark Darcy moment, but Carrie, this is a bad movie, so we don't have that. I wanted. I really kept 
comparing this movie in my head to someone like you, which again, like is a movie we haven't done yet. I think that we will watch it at some point. Is that Maybe the Robert Downey Jr. one? You're thinking about only you. Someone like you, you is Hugh Jackman and Ashley Judd. Great. Um, and Greg Kinnear, where once again, he doesn't get the girl. Greg Kinnear oh. spent the entirety of the 90s and early aughts not getting the girl. It's problematic, um, but I actually really like someone like you. Exactly. Like, right? It is a movie that has its misogynistic, problematic moments, but ultimately ends up working and you ultimately root for the couple because we see growth in he both learns. of them. We first of all, they're both likable to begin with, for, and then we see growth in both of them. Well, right? Like, if like, you want me to have this couple, want to want this couple to end up together, you you got to show me why they're together in the first place. Awful, awful. Allison, um, let's take she, a break. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. To hear from our sponsors. Let's take a break. To hear sponsors. From sponsors. This no. is where you could pipe in if you wanted to sponsor us. Magic Spoon. Right. Uh. Did you look at the IMDb for the woman that plays her friend slash like assistant producer? Um, She looks familiar to me, but I didn't have any amount of energy to uh, look up who any of these people were. I was spending all of the time trying to figure out how the two women I so respect and admire wrote this piece of trash. So without looking at her IMDb, can you tell me where we've seen her before on this podcast? No, I told you she looked familiar to me, but I... She is one of the three dancers in the opening scene to My Best Friend's Wedding. Yes, she is. I know she looked familiar. I know exactly which dancer she is. Yes. I I knew that before I watched this movie because she is a regular on the show Grimm, which I love. Um, and love. I And when she showed up on that show, I was like, why does this woman look so familiar? And then I Googled it because I'm not even sure it's on her IMDb, actually. I think it's like just in her Wikipedia. And I was like, that is who she is. Um, I love, yeah, I love when I love that. We found something about this movie that I love. Yes. Um, Returner yeah. is the saving grace of this movie. Barely, because she's not a funny. I'm not like the. I'm sure the act. I'm sure the woman is very funny, but like she, she's given nothing. Like no, no, she a, is again it's like, such a un- bullshit like friend of role like uh, you know they I offered have- it to judy greer and judy greer was like i would never like i need <laughs> no i mean because brie turner is very funny again much like the other cordry nate is he nate 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 cordry and yvette nicole brown brie turner is somebody who is funny that got wildly underutilized in this movie um we have to talk about why Catherine heigl we've given all we've done is rant about this movie without giving any specifics which is what i like to do we see Catherine Heigl go on a first date with that guy from Entourage. You know who I'm talking about? Kevin Connolly. Uh-huh. And she first judges him because he's like, um, she's like, well, he's 5'10", but it's okay. And he's like, I'm actually 5'8". And she's like, oh, and has the woman dating a 5'8 man? Get over it, Catherine Heigl. Also, um, the trivia for this movie wants you to know that Kevin Connolly is actually 5'5 in real life. All right. Well, that might be a little too short. I'm just kidding, but also not. And then Listen, the like, man fucked Paris Hilton for most of the early aughts. So like, evidently he can still get it despite being a short king, you know, long, you know, short king. Yeah. But then she's also like, he like orders a scotch because this woman has showed him and like, oh, you're not 5'10". Yikes. And so he's like, scotch, please. And I'm like, same. I need a scotch just to fucking watch this trash. And he, she's like, oh, but your profile says you like red wine. And it's like, 
as someone who who's like drink of choice is red wine like he's allowed he's allowed to order something different right like maybe he wants to order something different i that whole maybe because you showed up a horrible person he was like i need to be hammered drunk yeah that scene was i think aimed at making us think that like that guy sucked and i just sat there thinking i felt so bad for him i feel so bad for this guy that scene was supposed to be that guy sucking don't you think like it's supposed to i don't know but i just was. i think it is i think it's supposed to be like he lied about his height i think it was supposed to be like he lied about the drink he likes which like no, he like didn't. He's you can not like honest on his profile or something, but, and then he's it's like also supposed to be like turned she off has... by her like type anus, and it's like. But I also well, think yeah. it was supposed to be like her list is too specific, which like yeah, but it's also the whole thing about like she has a list for what she wants in a man, and she just has to give that up, and then end up with Gerard Butler, who is nothing on her list. Like, do I think that like you can't have an overly specific list and expect to find all that in a partner? Of course, human beings are human beings and you have to allow them to have flaws. But also, like, it's okay to have a list of things you want in a partner. Like, this movie's premise is, like, she wants these things in a partner and then realizes she doesn't need them and ends up with a piece of shit guy. And it's like, no, you should have stuck to part of your list. Like, right, right. the part of your list that it says isn't a misogynist, I feel like we keep that one. Right, like let maybe go let go of biases, like, or like maybe you don't need a red wine drinker, right? Like you guys can order different things, right? But like maybe like a basically like basic human decency should stay on the list. Yeah, I think like not thinking you're a sex object rather than a human right. being is an important part of the list. Right. Yeah. Naturally. Anyway, she sucks too. I just want to make it clear that they both suck so hard. Also, like, the whole premise of, like, he's right about what works to get this guy to date her. Like, again, don't, there was a way, you know, like, the reason that, like, Hitch, for example, works, go back and listen to our Hitch episode. The reason that Hitch works is that, like, he's wrong, right? Like, all of the crap that he's been saying about, like, how you win someone is good advice for, like, that initial meeting but it's not how yes. you keep someone right like we find out like that's not actually how relationships work we don't get any of that payoff no. here like the misogyny and the sexist bullshit is right like it it doesn't make any sense yeah this movie hates both men and women this movie yes. hates men <laughs> and the rights way- men and women both really poorly <laughs> in the way that people like the barbie movie hates men man and it absolutely does not uh like this movie actually hates men because it's espousing the idea that like men are so fucking shallow and stupid that a misogynistic man like Gerard Butler can tell Katherine Heigl how she's supposed to behave and that will work on a like smart handsome doctor like this movie thinks men are so stupid and so shallow yeah this movie hates men this is an anti-male movie yeah that's okay because I hate this movie, so. So I do think that, like, and maybe it's, and again, because we've loved their past movies that I'm getting them too much credit. Like, I feel like this movie tried, like, it, I I think it, like, wanted to do something, but it didn't, obviously. Like, it never, it never was, like, a commentary on the misogyny, right? Like, we talk a lot on this podcast about, like, 
the point of view of the movie and like is it the point of the view of the movie or is it at the point of the view of the characters and i think that this i hope that like this movie was trying to say something about like gerard butler's character's point obviously not him i don't know about him as a person but like his character's point of view versus like it never got there it never did that right like this is not a smart enough movie to do that no but like at the at the point that he literally tells her that she has to be the dichotomy of the Madonna and the whore, which is like the oldest, most misogynistic dichotomy that we've put on women since the beginning of time, since like Adam and fucking Eve. You literally have to go be back a freak in bed, story. you can't that, want to be a freak in bed. That story is the Ma- Madonna whore dichotomy. When he said that, I was like, you've got to be joking me, right? Like you've got to, this movie has to be trying to be, some kind of commentary on how that's absurd right but like then there's she no does way it and it works and they fall in love like it's never then undercut or there's never a commentary that it's fucking crazy what he's saying well except that like no i agree like i completely agree with you like we never we never then like actually have any commentary on how that's a com- absurd dichotomy that we place on women and expect of women the only thing I can say for this movie is that like she ends up breaking up with hot guy and is like, I'm not, I haven't actually been myself this whole time. I'm going to go back to being myself. Okay. And, and <laughs> like, I don't, but then, but then there's no payoff in terms of like the romantic relation. I just, it, I... well, also like at one point when she's been dating hot doctor guy for like, a decent amount of time like but they've been on several dates it's probably been at least a month if not more and he's like oh are you gonna sleep with them and she was like no i'm wait like she does this whole like i would never like like this like good girls don't have sex like and i'm like aren't you an adult woman who's been dating this man for like a month like what are you talking about also he asked her about masturbating and he uses the two two things first of all he uses the phrase wait wait say masturbating again because your emphasis was insane you just said masturbating he asked her about masturbating. <laughs> Carry on Did I with say your right point. that time? Yes, but earlier you were uh, like, he asked her about masturbating. It was just <laughs> I think because I was like getting ahead of myself in terms of what I was saying. Um, but he uses the phrase flick the bean and she acts like she has no idea what that means and she's never heard that phrase. I'm sorry, you're telling me that an adult woman in the year of our Lord 2009 and I'm supposed to believe she hadn't heard the phrase flick the bead. And she's also kind of like, I don't really like to do that. Like, I don't do that. That's not who I am, ma'am. It's okay, like, so you're asexual. Asexual representation in movies, we need more of it because this woman is asexual. Or again, like, are you trying to say something about how women are Is she uncomfortable to, like, talking about masturbation? Right, is she like... Or like or, or sex or like, any of that she's not comfortable being ta- right being sexual or like we can have a conversation about how like right. men's masturbation is expected from age 12 on but women are supposed to never like that is a totally interesting valid conversation to have about the different ways we allow sexuality in men and women but that's not this movie doesn't it just makes her look like i could never i would never touch myself unless a man wanted unless it was for a man's pleasure right the way it plays out is not like in an interesting way it plays out in like a no like she's too high strung to to use a vibrator again like like, two type a women here on this podcast like let me tell you something about being a high strung high anxious woman and the relief a vibrator can bring you sorry mom like 
<laughs> that feels like an important part of the type A lady. <laughs> right. It's it like, was just so weird. You're, maybe you're so type A because you never fucking masturbate. Like maybe you, maybe, maybe you should for yourself, not for Gerard Butler. Right. Right. <laughs> also, like he should have gotten you a better toy than fucking vibrating panties. Right. If not even springing it, for a rabbit. Also, don't buy your boss a sex toy. Right. Don't buy your boss a sex toy. But if you're going to buy your boss a sex toy, don't buy her vibrating panties. This is a character. Gerard Butler's character absolutely um, was taken down because then he became like a prominent morning news guy. He absolutely was taken down in 2018. If the yeah. timeline of this movie is the reality. Um, yes. This movie it, it would could not exist in a in a post me too era i kept thinking that but i was like we knew this shit shouldn't exist in 2009 too like no, i don't remember I this movie coming out in 2009 and people being like funny like i think terry was the same no i think people hated this movie in 2009 too like yeah. i don't think this could get made now because i think and i think i don't think like because studios are too good for this i think because they'd be like because you can't make any jokes anymore huh? Um, which, I also again, I'm going to go ahead and argue like, this movie doesn't make a single fucking joke. I also just think that, like, and granted, this was true of millennials, so I think, like, this was probably just, like, a big swing and a miss from a studio that this movie got made. But I, I feel like Gen Z would be like, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't. It's also just, like, too gendered now. Like, it's too yeah. sort of, like, men are like this, women are like this. Right. Gen Z is like, I don't We all exist on a spectrum. You know, mm -hmm. like, I don't. Yeah gender is both a spectrum and a construct yeah and when i say like gen z would be like i don't get that i don't mean that as a as a insult of gen z i mean that as like a they just are like this just wouldn't make any sense to them because it's so dated and antiquated in its views on men and women it's also like this whole movie plays as like the sexual harassment seminars they make you watch in the mm -hmm. workplace like it's so Which sort of they like say what, at one point what did he do wrong here and it's like everything gerard butler says like mm -hmm. It's this man should be so fired. Also, I, it's wild to me that like this man would have been on a morning show in Sacramento, California in 2009. In 2003, we didn't even let the, you know, two consenting adults have an affair on Good Morning America, but we're going to let this guy. That was 20, about... 2023. Should we listen to their podcast for the Patreon? <laughs> Probably. Um, but we're not gonna. But we're gonna let this guy talk about like Jello wrestling. I it just doesn't make any sense. Oh, the I have to talk about the how he set up a whole Jello wrestling thing, but his producer knew nothing of it. She's like, "How did this get here?" It's like I don't know. How, like, how did that get there, Catherine Heigl? You're in charge of this set, right? Yeah. Oh. Um. On a separate note about things I don't understand. So I watched this on, what did I watch this on? Prime, but it had commercials, which was weird. Um, freebie. That means you watched it on Freebie. You had to pay for it for Prime, mm -hmm. no commercials. Oh, then I watched it on Freebie. And I got a commercial for this new Jennifer Lopez music video movie thing that's happening. And Fuck yes. Let's talk more about that. Have you seen the preview? No. I am very confused as to what's happening. I've seen there's like a bunch of celebrities listed and the last one is Ben Affleck. Uh-huh. Ben Affleck is in it. I think he dies. Question mark. I oh, think maybe he, he dies early on in like a motorcycle accident. Um, so I'm just telling you. 
I need somebody to explain to me what is happening because I've watched, first of all, I watched the trailer while I was watching this movie because it was an ad, but I've also watched it separately and I am left with nothing but questions, which is maybe the point because you're going to get me to watch it that way, but I'm so confused. I don't know what we're doing, Jennifer. I'll watch it and we'll discuss. Um, I have to jump back into this movie and more reasons I hate Catherine Heigl's character. And how this movie doesn't know who or what a woman is. She gets like flowers at work from the man who we don't, to the doctor. We don't understand why he likes her. And she starts like jumping up and down and squealing like a fucking child. It's like, do we think she's a, she's like written like a teenage girl. Yeah. Speaking of. Like she's written like a man's idea of a teenage girl, not like an actual teenage girl. Right. Which is wild because this movie was written by women. Um, I really want to interview her. Side note. You know what my Roman Empire is? listen what so when i was 18 in high school applying for colleges for a couple of the colleges that i applied for you had to do an interview with an alum right and for i don't even remember what school hold on give me a minute i don't know i don't even remember what school um, I had to do an, uh, an interview with this like young alum woman and I met her downtown for coffee and she met me and she was like, I'm sorry, I'm flustered. I like went on it. Like I've just been on a couple dates with this guy and he just sent flowers to my office and I like had to call my mom because I'm like flustered. I think about that woman like at least once a month and I wonder what happened. Do we think that like, was that it? Did they get I married? So many like where are they now? Like that was almost 20 years ago, right? Like she, they could be married with like several children at this point. Right. Couple things. One, if I had that interview, if I if like a slightly older person said that to me when I was 18, I would be like, that's who I want to be. Like what an adult. Flowers sent yes. at work, didn't know what to oh, do. And I, now this woman was, was about like thought. 22. Like. Yeah. No, she absolutely was like mid twenties. If, if that. Second of all, she sounds like a more realistic woman than Catherine Heigl in this movie because her response is like, "We've been on a couple dates and he sent me flowers." Like, I don't know how to behave. I don't know how to feel about that. She no, but like she was clearly yes, absolutely. But she also was clearly like excited about it. And like, if I'd been not eighteen and like nervous out of my mind because I wanted to get into what other ever college she was interviewing me for, I would have been what like, everything it? go on." It was either. I'm pretty sure it was either Georgetown or University of Pennsylvania, but I don't remember which. I Did you get University- into either one? I think it was Universal University of Pennsylvania. I think. No, Did you get maybe in? it was Georgetown. Hard to say. I did not get into Georgetown. I got waitlisted at UPenn and I... Is it this lady's we'll fault? Never know. Track her down, ask her whatever happened to that guy and why you didn't get into this college. Right. Yeah. I hope she married him. I hope they lived happily ever after. That's what I'm going to choose to believe. Yeah, I hope she married him if he was a lovely guy. Sure, sure. But in my head, no, no, sure. But in my head, he was sending flowers because he was also spent with her and he's a great guy and they got married and they have children if they wanted children, you know. Flowers early on in a relationship make me feel weird. Ben and I started dating a month before Valentine's Day two years ago. And it was very uncomfortable when we were like, we don't have to do anything. But then sure, my friends actually. would be like, he better send you flowers. And I, I was like, no, that would legitimately make me uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that in like a, like, I, I, I'm I, saying I don't want them, but really I want them. Like, it's too early. It would, would legitimately be weird to me if he sent me flowers. Yeah. Okay, back to this movie. I looked up the date of this movie when Hot and Cold by Katy Perry started playing. At the because- beginning. 
at the very beginning because I was like, this movie has to be older than that song. I thought for sure this movie came out like five to ten years before it actually did. No, the other song that's used in this that I only think of in a funny way is um, Pocketful Sunshine by Natasha Mm -hmm. Bedingfield because it's such a dumb song and because Easy A used it so beautifully that when it starts playing earnestly in this movie. (laughs) Yes. It's like them on a, her, was it with her with the doctor? I don't, I don't even remember, but it's like. That was, yes. It was a montage of her and the doctor and there. And then a scene later, she was like, we haven't had sex yet. It's like, and what? I was like, well, but also like, at, I know that at the end of this, you're going to convince me that I want Catherine Heigl and Gerard Butler together. So why are you giving me a romantic montage of her and this other guy? To show like, that, that Gerard Butler's misogynistic advice worked. I guess. Which is also a problem. I so many problems. So many. There isn't. There's not a redeeming thing about this movie. Carrie, I do have a question for you. The oh, in two months we will be watching another Gerard Butler joint. We are gonna watch P.S. I Love You. Will it be worse than this movie? Who's to say? What accent do you think he'll be worse at doing? His American accent in this movie or his Irish accent in P.S. I Love You? And then his we watch American P- accent. I feel like Irish is pretty fucking like you can't touch me lucky charms yeah but whose Irish accent is worse his or Jeffrey Dean Morgan I say that with all the love in my heart for Jeffrey Dean Morgan here's my question about PSA love you about the Morgans as a as a couple in a family here's my question about PSA love you and again we haven't watched it for this podcast yet we will be watching it for St. Patrick's Day someone please make a good Irish rom. There's plenty of good Irish rom. Please make one. We'll do for this fucking podcast. There are so many hot Irish actors. Why, when they made P.S. I Love You, were like Gerard Butler and Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Just tell them to sound like a leprechaun. Because this, because both, like any number, because of we were trying to make both those people happen. There are like seven Gleason children. I would. Uh, Brendan Gleason would have been stunning in that role. Like. I understand. Because P.S. I Love You came out in 2007. We're not even talking about P.S. I Love You, but we'll talk about it. But, we but the were Gleason boys were too to young. Make, okay. The Gleason boys absolutely were too young, but we were very much trying to make Gerard Butler happen, and we were trying to capitalize on Denny Duquette. Ugh. The dumbest story. I can't say it's the dumbest storyline in Grey's Anatomy history because, you know, it was just the beginning. It was just the fucking... Listen... No, not the Denny Dupet when she started having sex with his ghost. That was oh, the dumbest. Sure. I thought you were gonna start talking Cutting about Cutting an L wire was riveting <laughs> television. Are you kidding me? I thought you were gonna tell me that cutting the Elvad wire was bad television, and I was like No, cutting the Elvad wire is like we need to talk body, about that. bomb in the body cavity, Kyle Chandler level, incredible television. Yes. Um Who's the hottie from Bridesmaids? He would have been age appropriate. I guess he wasn't famous enough yet for P.S. I Love You. Oh, yeah. he No. Chris O'Dowd. You could have used who's the other, who's the Irish guy from, from Grey's Anatomy. That you, that. Uh... I think he's also Scottish. Oh, sorry. We're going to see looks Irish because he's very Are we doing Maid of Honor? Yes. Um. um... Anyway. What I'm saying right. is. This isn't a PSA. We will talk about PSA. I love you, and uh, uh, the accent work will be almost as bad as it as in that movie as it is in this movie. Um, Gerard Butler, I will not forgive you. Catherine Heigl, I will not forgive you. 
Um, if you didn't watch it, don't. It's not mm -hmm. worth it. If you watched it and only for this podcast, I'm so sorry. Reach out to us. We'll give you a month free of our Patreon. I'm not kidding. If you watched no, this movie, gonna... if you watched this movie specifically for this podcast and you are not a Patreon listener, we will thank you for doing that. I, we're so sorry you had to watch it. We will give you a month free of our Patreon. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have anything else? Wait, maybe I won't ask this question because maybe I'll save it for the TikTok we're gonna do or do this. But higher or lower than Practical Magic? It was lower, but I only know that because I looked because I was it like, was. It, what it, was it, the reception of this movie when it came out? And it, it was fourteen percent. Yeah. Uh, this is now, you know how every time I'm like, we've never watched a movie this bad. And you're like, yes, we did. We watched First Daughter. This is my first daughter. That's fair. This movie was painful to watch because it was so offensive. You texted First... me halfway through and were like, do I have to keep watching this? Allison, I was 15 minutes in. <laughs> I was at the I grocery store. Half... I, I was on the way to the grocery through. store trying to get Ben to stop looking at fucking spiders. Oh, my God. You know what the, like, dumbest moment in this entire movie was in this dumbass movie you know what the dumbest moment was this one tell me i'm gonna look up it's uh um the moment when she's like oh maybe i like him is because he picks tap water instead of sparkling water in the restaurant and that was like <laughs> a thing that, poor... that was like a call back back to when she was treating kevin connelly horribly for being kevin connelly asked for like sparkling water or no not sparkling water bottled water and she was like they restaurants have to filter tap water now so it's basically the same so you're so you're throwing money down the drain and he was like oh that's okay i like the taste so bottled please um and then she's like ah, what a piece of shit it's like Catherine, jesus christ right. um wild i am a frequent purchaser of not purchaser i'm a frequent not purchaser of tap water in restaurants because Obviously, I'm not paying for bottled water, but like if I'm out with someone and they're like, give us like a nice glass bottle of spring water, I'm like, look at us. Look at us being right. fancy. Yeah, no, Kevin and I if, Kevin, if I were out on a date with Kevin Connolly and he was like, bring us a, a bottle of spring water, I'd be like, okay, Kevin Connolly. I like the short ginger. Short King. You know what? Throw Jackson on him. I believe it more than Gerard Butler and P.S. I love you. Okay. Katherine Heigl has been nominated for many Razzie Awards. She's she's kind of the Susan Lucci of the Razzies, if you will. Interestingly enough, not for this movie. What has she been nominated for? Uh, she was a 2019 nominee for Worst Actress in Unforgettable. She was a 2016 What's un um, I don't even know what that is. Nominee for Worst Actress in Home Sweet Hell. She was a 2014 nominee for Worst Supporting Actress for The Big Wedding. And a 2013 nominee for Worst Actress in One for the Money. Mm -hmm. Sure, One for the Money. I remember it. Mm -hmm. I want to know the ugly truth, Razzies, though. Maybe it... Well, what were the Razzie Awards in 2009? That would tell us what, like... February 1st, 2001, the Razzie Awards, who got snubbed? It was not nominated for any Razzies. They th they feel it got snubbed. The Rocker. Vulture feels it got snubbed. Um, Worst Picture nominees in 2009. Do you have any guesses? Are they movies I know? Like, first of all, I feel like a lot of times Razzies go to I mean, movies, yes, like, but not, like, of. off the top of your head, you know? Like, you'll know them, but you're not going to 
they were all about Steve. G.I. Joe, oh, The Rise of the Cobra. A movie we have on our list. Land of the Lost. Old Dogs. And Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. <gasps> Beyonce was nominated for Worst Actress in 2009. Yeah, she was. Kind of rightfully so. For... Sarah Jessica Parker, did you hear about the Morgans? Was not and Sandra Bullock and all about Steve, Miley Cyrus for Hannah Montana the movie. Listen, Beyonce and Sandra Bullock and even Sarah Jessica Parker being nominated for Razzies proved to us that not all the good decisions are you know like not even, so here's even the most talented among us make bad decisions. Megan, Fo- so the nominees are Beyonce, Sandra Bullock, Miley Cyrus, Megan Fox, and Sarah Jessica Parker. Megan Fox is a double nominee for Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen and Jennifer's Body. Which, as I understand, is a criminally misunderstood movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about doing it. I think we'll do it next Halloween. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, this got nominated for no Razzies. Not even good enough for fucking Razzie. Okay. Um, I'm not kidding. If you uh, watch this movie, just go ahead and send us a a little message and we'll get you a free month of that patreon to say thank you um mm-hmm. carrie anything else to say about the ugly truth or can i completely forget about it? i'm gonna try so hard to forget about this movie i have nothing else what are we watching next hopefully a palate cleanser of some sort oh hang on maybe celeste and jesse forever I oh next watching celeste and, um i saw it in theaters if memory serves it was a good movie um I mean, I love it's an unconventional rom com. Yeah. Um. Okay. Great. Love it. Next week. Oh, wow. So next week, I feel I honestly like I like a a, a one eighty. I was unprepared for just a real like kind of adjust tonally from yeah. the ugly truth to Celeste and Jesse forever to a breakup rom com. <laughs> yeah. You know that Spoiler. that's what it's about, right? That's mm-hmm. th- that's what it's about. That's the premise of the movie. The premise of the movie is these two people are getting a divorce. Does it like tell it? In, is it like uh, a f- last five years where we're like getting it in reverse? Or don't remember. It's not. We're not getting it in reverse. We're we're like watching them try and stay friends. I think mm. they're like besties. Sure, sure. Um, I don't know. Well, but I don't. There might be flashbacks to their marriage, but I don't remember. I haven't seen it since. Brian and I went in theaters. Okay, well. Um, so join us in two weeks for Celeste and Jesse forever. Um, join our Patreon for exclusive content. Um, for instance, our Anyone But You episode is just out. And next month, we're going to watch I Want to Marry Ryan Banks because we're also watching When a Date with Tad Hamilton, which was also directed by this guy. I bet it's a better movie Wild. than this. Um, we're also... For Valentine's Day, going to have a live Discord chat while we watch uh, 2005 Pride and Prejudice. So right. join the Patreon for that. Join the Patreon, you can join our Discord, and then we can, we can, as I think I said in neither Patreon or this, we're all going to be horny on the Discord watching Pride and Prejudice together. It'll be fun. Exactly. Love it. Yes. And Absolutely. then if you so choose, you can leave and go masturbate, but without underwear because that's stupid. And because you're allowed to if you're a lady or a man. That's yeah. not my business. Um. Anyway, that's a weird way to end the episode, but it is what it is. Bye. Bye.